Hey everybody, Jimmy Smith. On today's Unlocking the Cage podcast, we discuss the state of MMA. Do we still love it like we used to, whether you're pre-pandemic or an old fan? Also, I answer your questions from the midweek mailbag. Remember, if you'd like to submit a question, email it to utcmailbag at gmail.com. We're discussing, in the beginning of the show, the, uh, the state of boxing right now. And I think it's doing comparatively well. I really like what's going on in boxing. Got some big fights coming up. We have some, uh, some very, very compelling divisions for sure. But what we have been lacking in the UFC is the other flip side of the coin. Other side of the coin is the UFC. We have UFC Fight Night 207 coming up this weekend. Jackson, our intern. Who so far I haven't been able to abuse at all. I feel a little like I feel like something's missing out of my life. Jackson, how you doing, bro? Just unmute. For less lesson number one is unmute. Then yes, I'm doing good. How are you? Doing well, doing well. So are you an MMA fan at all? You a UFC fan, MMA fan at all? Not really, no. Right. Okay. Do you have any idea? Could you tell me one person who's fighting this weekend? I cannot. No clue. He doesn't. By the way, he was shaking his head before I even finished the question. He's like, no, nah, no idea. I, 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 can't, right. I can't. I wish I could, but I can't. Right. But what I like about this, and I'm not doing this to humiliate you. That will come later. Trust me, it's coming. My thing is, Kelly, you are a well-educated fan. Very well-educated. You work with me every day. So, the main event this weekend, you already know it. Alexander Volkov, Yarino Rosenstrike. Can you name one other fighter on this card without cheating? Uh, Carolina Kovalkiewicz on this card or no? Did that get moved? She's in the undercard, yeah, but yes. She's a prelim, but yeah. Okay, yeah, Sweet. that's on the card. There you go. <laughs> Carolina Kovalkiewicz. She's like, that counts more. I know it you like, came across an article. <laughs> you got it counts more, right? Take it on Felice Herrig. That's going to be a fun one. Look, this card, the heavyweight main event, Alexander Volkov, six foot a billion. All right, the guy is incredibly tall, six foot seven. I've heard that's even actually kind of short. He's actually six nine. Uh, versus Yarino Rosenstrike. They're both great strikers, both great kickboxers, both rangy with knockout power. Your co-main event, Dan Ige, uh, versus Mozart Ivlev. Uh, Michael Trezano from The Ultimate Fighter, if you remember him, versus Lucas Almeida. Karin Silva versus uh, Poliana Botelio. And that's about it. Those are not, I mean, sure, we might get great fights out of this. You never know until they actually fight. But here's the deal. Go ahead and play the old man boomer clip. Go ahead, play it, because I'm about to get in some boomer stuff here. I'm about to really get well, super hang on. old. We have two different ones. We have, okay, Grandpa. Okay, Grandpa. Okay. Good, and whatever you great. say, boomer. Whatever you sure. say, boomer. Okay. Any one of those works. Why? I'm going to take you way back. I'm going to take you way back. Okay. Kelly was in what grade school okay kelly was just starting kindergarten she was going to school in her lunchbox in her door of the explorer backpack okay that's what she was doing okay so back then the ultimate fighter came out first season of the ultimate fighter before that before the spike tv deal which was part of the ultimate fighter and blah 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 ufcs were like once a month maybe they were always on pay-per-view there weren't any like tv cards there was no easy access. There was no uh, UFC fight pass. or There was nothing like that. You saw UFCs when they were on pay-per-view maybe once a month. Maybe. That's how it was. We had a fan back then. Okay? So 
UFCs were a big deal. They were like, you invited friends over, and you had pizza, and you made a night out of it because it was pretty rare. It was playoff football or whatever. It was not a normal thing I, that you saw all I'm, the time. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Jimmy, but your UFC what? parties sound like like 13-year-old sleepovers. You're like, you, had, you invited your friends over, whatever. you had you invited some pizza. Friends over. <laughs> had some pizza, right? That's Play some what video you games. Play some video games, bro. You plugged in your Sega, and you played video games. What? Sega, Sega, nobody, just me. I literally, Kobe just lost it, by the way, when I said Sega. You know what's up, bro? Sega Genesis, all right? Anyway, here's my point. Here's my point. It was an event. It was an event that was big every time. Then the Ultimate Fighter came out. There was the Spike deal. You started having UFC fight nights, which were not as big. It was, first of all, maybe, maybe it was even called UFC on Spike. At the time, there was a deal with Fuel TV, where they'd be on Fuel TV. And we started getting more content, which was great. But the brand started to get diluted. And Luke Thomas famously, he used to sit in the seat, famously uh, got into it with Dana White on social media about the number of cards. They're having too many. Dana White didn't appreciate that. Blah, 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 and they, they got into a kind of a back and forth. This was early. This was 20 years ago. We started talking about the brand being slightly diluted. Since the ESPN deal, which came into effect 2019, with the UFC deal, I'm sorry, with the ESPN deal with the UFC, the model became supply us with content every week, and we will take care of the rest. Big pay-per-views became less of a thing, even in between these things. The pay-per-view business model kind of went out the window. It's all about subscriptions to ESPN Plus. It's all about things that don't require a fight being big, that don't require a card being big, that don't require all the things that were required 10, 15, 20 years ago. We're seeing that that's gone. This card, this weekend, is not very good. If I were not a professional who had to watch it, I wouldn't. Wouldn't watch it. The oversaturation that is part of the the ESPN deal, we are starting to see the negative effects of that. We're starting to see cards every week where I sit there and I watch them. I'm not excited about them. I don't remember them. They weren't anything great. They weren't anything special. Home versus Vieira, not a spectacular card. Didn't have great fighters, didn't have great fights. Blahovich versus Rakic, again, not a great card, didn't do great things. UFC 274, Oliveira versus Gaethje, that was, of course, great for everybody but Kelly. All right, it just happens. Great card, though. Really enjoyed it. Lemos versus Andraj. Font versus Vieira. Luque versus Muhammad, too. In between UFCs, we are seeing dead zones. Absolute dead zones. Now, obviously, the pandemic era of MMA put a lot of eyes on the UFC. They were the first sport to really come back. They kind of had sports all to themselves for a little while. They had a ton of momentum. But now, in 2022, a lot of that momentum is spent. 
it's a lot of cards that I could do without. Now, I'm a, once again, I'm a super fan. I watch all of them. It's my job. I keep up with everything. Once again, a lot of new eyeballs during the pandemic, but I am finding the cards that are in between pay-per-views brutally difficult to watch. Brutally. It's tough. Last week's card, the the the, the home Vieira card, man, that was that wasn't good. KOB, your head almost hit your desk thinking about that card. Am I wrong? Am I exa- am I being harsh? It was brutal, dude. Listen, again, we're probably being harsh, but at the same time, it's like, because the hardcore response every single time is, well, you just don't like fighting. It's like, no, we're allowed to no, say I, on face We're allowed to say yes. on face value, there is nothing interesting about a card. Like, we are yes. 100% within the rights to do that. And it may sound harsh, but yeah, like, even letting the action play out, that Home Vieira card, like the entire card, not just Home Vieira, the entire card was... It's almost like hate watching. It's like, all right, is it almost over yet? Like, is it done? When are, we, are, we main, are we at the main event yet? Are we cl- are we getting close? That's never the feeling you should feel watching a fight card. It's like, oh, my God, is it is it the friggin' main event already? Like, let's just get there. That's bad. It was bad. And it feels like there's, you know, and, and I just discussed the ABC card, uh, which has Brian Ortega, Yaya Rodriguez. You see the structure of that card. You see why they are doing what they are doing. You see why certain fighters are matched up together. It's very, very simple. You can see why certain fighters are matched up. I feel that part of the problem right now with UFC is there are so many cards that feel thrown together. I'm not saying the matchmakers aren't doing their jobs. They're working what they have available. they got to put on a card every damn week. When you have to put on a card every damn week, just you don't have the tools. You don't have the number of fighters you need to make a compelling card constantly. You don't have it. doesn't exist. You can't do it. When I look at it that way, when I look at it that way, I think, oh, man, you're just, you're wandering through the desert to get to the oasis. You're wandering through a very, very tough uh, stretch of cards to get to a, 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 a pay-per-view that is certainly worth, worth, worth watching. It's a lot of fun, et cetera, et cetera. They're doing great numbers. But, man, it, it's, it just seems like these weekly cards have gotten exceptionally brutal in 2022. Which, the, the, the ESPN UFC deal has been on since 2019. So it's our third year of this deal. But I don't know what it is. Maybe it's, it's a first, you know, pure non-pandemic year where, where you know, it seems we have other options and we can do other things. And obviously WWE's back out on the road and all this stuff where I have things I can do with my weekend that don't involve fighting, that'll lure me in. And I feel like they still have that pandemic-era attitude of, well, this is all you have. No, it's not. It's not at all all I have. And you can't get around that. You can't. It seems as though these cards are just kind of thrown together, and it, it might be costing a little bit of MMA fandom. KOB, what do you think of that? That it's like the the... When you threw things together and you were the only game in town, that made sense. But now as I do, we got some options. You need to do better. But the ESPN deal doesn't necessarily um, encourage them to do any better. Yeah, well, it's funny. I had friends that watched with me during that boom era of the early 2000s to like the 2010s. Some of which dropped out. And I would hear this actually a lot. I'm like, why don't you watch anymore? It's like, they all got too good. Like, 
it's a lot more decisions, man. It's not as fun anymore. Like it goes like the the fights are longer. There's not as many cool knockouts, which I don't think is true. But like they, some's got lost there. I have other right. friends who never cared about the UFC, who got more into it during the pandemic era because it was the only sport in town. And I don't know. It was just because are they UFC, still sticking around? To a degree, yes. They'll still watch if if it's on uh, it's on ESPN Plus. They don't care if it's on regular ESPN. They'll tune in. But even them, it's like. I almost feel like during that pandemic era, because we lost a couple months here and there, the UFC had to put cards together, and you got better fights on each card. So you could actually keep, like, they had a good string of fights for a while that were keeping attention going. Whereas now, I just feel like every Saturday, in between these pay-per-views, man, it's like, all right, we got one main event, maybe another decent fight somewhere underneath it, but that's about it. It's all you, in terms of stakes and things that actually matter. That's where you are. And, like, the casual fans they'll tune in here and there, but I think they tune right back out really quickly and they don't know anybody in it or if they're not betting on it. <laughs> like, they don't really right, care Right, that's much. a big part of it too, yeah. Um, so I think they're right back out again, but like, I, I was with a group of people and it was a nice mix. It was like two or three casual fans, two like hardcore fans along with myself and all of us were kind of saying the same thing of like, it feels like it's getting tougher to watch, you know? Like, it feels like more of a chore and like, we work in it so we have to watch it's it. It's literally like, our job. It's yeah. literally, but, yes. But even they were saying like, it almost feels like I'm doing a chore, you know? Like, I'm not sitting there and enjoying it as much as I used to. Like, in order to keep up with it, I gotta like, have an eye on it. Kind of yeah. like, almost in order like, to, uh, to know what's going on yeah imagine if you like you were just trying to be like an nfl fan and you had to watch like the two worst teams play each other every single every single week you know like every saturday <laughs> like if it was just I'll, I'll make fun of both of us cal if it was like judge giants every single saturday <laughs> like that's what you're right. tuning in for you're like all right we're getting a little can we watch the better teams play now like can we just do that like can we have the playoff teams get going I feel like that's what we're dealing with because this, and it's not a knock on the fighters. It's just that the stakes aren't that big. Maybe they're still working their way up, and maybe they will be like a big show in the UFC going forward. But right now, they're at that opening level or that mid tier level, and they haven't quite made it. And the stakes on these fights just haven't been big. It's not been a lot of title contending, like, oh my right. God, this guy's definitely in if they win. Like, there's not been a lot of those. It's been a whole lot of guesswork, really. It's to, to, your, to, to your point, the analogy I'd say is, is even from fans of the sport. It's starting to feel like baseball. Very few baseball fans, and this is I, – I'm literally repeating what I've been told because I'm not a huge baseball fan. Very few baseball fans can sit there and watch a whole game of baseball. They, you know, they watch. They're kind of paying attention. They might jump in at the end or whatever. Very few baseball fans can watch a whole game of baseball. And the reason they say that is it's too long. It's a little too slow. And there are so many games. What's the point of one game? I mean, 170 games, one game just isn't important enough for me to spend my time watching it. It's, I'm starting to hear similar things about MMA, right? So many fights, and they're so like, okay, what's the point of this one fight? Unless there are particular stakes. Unless it's a playoff game. Unless it's two pitchers that are red hot, and you want to see them duel it out or something like that. Or it's a rivalry game. Red Sox, Yankees. Other than that, what's the point? I am hearing that a lot. Is that my attitude? No, but this is also my job. So I have a slightly different perspective than everybody else, right? But that's the way I think about it. I'm thinking and talking about what I am hearing as a professional from other fans. And it seems a little bit oversaturated. And I don't know if that's everybody, if that's what I'm hearing. 
and that's what I'm feeling. Busted Open is your daily home for all things pro wrestling. Join Dave LaGreca, WWE Hall of Famers, Bully Ray, and Mark Henry, and hardcore wrestling legend Tommy Dreamer. Dave LaGreca here from WWE to AEW, Impact, New Japan, Ring of Honor, and more. We talk it all. Whether you grew up watching Ric Flair or Stone Cold Steve Austin, Busted Open is your place for pro wrestling. Busted Open, Mondays through Saturdays at 9 a.m. East on Fight Nation, Sirius XM Channel 156. Send your questions. I will give the answers you need. KOB sifts through them. He finds the gems. He finds the best ones. And we are ready to go, are we not, KOB? Hit me whenever you're ready. You've got mail. All right, first one up is something we've been talking about a lot today. So this comes from Matt in Long Island, who says, uh, came across this, hey, Jimmy, came across this tweet and wanted to get your thoughts on it. This is from the MMA dude that says, the elephant in the room. 2022 has seen a steep decline in quality and depth of UFC cards. Pay-per-view buys are plummeting for the first time in a decade. First night, uh, fight nights have one big fight if we're lucky. The UFC is still the best promotion by a mile, but it's a shadow of its former self. What say you to that? Tweet. Harsh, but um, the market saturation is starting to catch up with UFC. The idea that they've been number one so long is starting to catch up with the UFC. The idea that there isn't any reason to innovate is starting to catch up with the UFC. It is a, a, a combination of a lot of things. Now, as you said, they're still number one. They still control the MMA space. There still isn't a lot of competition. They're still number one with a bullet. Can't get around it. When they put a big card together, you pay attention. What's so funny about this business is very, very short-sighted from the fan base and the media and everything. As soon as there's a big card, a big UFC with, with a couple title fights on it, we all go, woo, great, it's amazing. And we remember how awesome the UFC can be. We all kind of forget about it. It's this idea that so many of the cards, because of the ESPN deal, have become fight nights that aren't really worth a whole lot. That we make these decisions. As soon as they, they have a big UFC, we kind of forget all about it. I do agree that that something needs to change in terms of either the frequency of these fights or the quality of the fights. Something needs to give at a certain point. I don't know what it's going to be and if these UFC is going to do it, but I, I, I agree. I agree that we're going through these death valleys of cards two or three in a row that just aren't meaningful and it just wears you down as a fan. There isn't really any other way to say it. Next. Mail, motherfucker. All right. This comes from Dion in Indiana who says, uh, hey, everyone. Uh, after the Oliveira-Gaethje fight, I've heard many options for Oliveira for the vacant title. There's Makachev. I've heard Volkanovsky. Even heard Connor. The one I haven't heard, but the one I think it should be, is Justin Gaethje. Think about it. He lost to someone who came in over the weight limit. In a way, he was fighting at a disadvantage. They gave Joseph Benavides a rematch when he lost to an overweight Figueredo. Why not Gaethje? Back me up, Kelly. Kelly? <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be mad, but I don't think that's going to happen. Let me say something. I don't think there was any other options at 25, really, other than Joe B. Like, there's that other options at 55. exactly what I was going to say. This division is too good, right? Also, 
I will be totally honest here. Kelly, have you advocated once on this show for a rematch for Justin Gaethje? You say you wouldn't yeah. mind. I haven't heard you once go, that was a robbery. Oliveira yeah. was too big. I haven't heard that. If, if it was, I'm sure you'd say it. No, absolutely. You, but I right, haven't. you, as the biggest Justin Gaethje fan ever, are going, look, that night Charles Oliveira was clearly the better fighter. Dropped him, choked him out, that's it. There isn't that idea of, man, he missed by three or four pounds and really beat the dog piss out. No. Joseph Benavidez was the guy, let's be perfectly honest, that they wanted to be champion. Davison Figueredo was not like, yeah, this, this is our guy. We're going to really get behind in a division we almost got rid of in the first place. Joseph Benavidez was their best option as champion. He was. He didn't win. So they gave him another shot. Look, and Davidson Figueroa, once again, was, was clearly the better fighter both times. That half pound meant nothing. If you watch the fight I watched, that half pound meant zero. It cost him his title. Yes, it did. It didn't give him, a, 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 didn't give him an advantage. He was just better than Justin Gaethje. Justin Gaethje also made some tactical mistakes. Dropped him twice. If you would have followed him down with a right hand, especially with the second knockdown, I thought he was really hurt. We could be talking about a different champion right now. I thought he made some tactical mistakes. He got clipped. He got choked. Charles Oliveira was the better fighter. This was not... for Throw out the window, whoever wrote this, your sense of justice or injustice. Throw that out the window. All you can think of is... Joseph Benavides was a guy they wanted to be champion, so he got another crack. This idea of, oh, you miss weight, therefore you deserve another opportunity, I, I see some of it. But the UFC doesn't work on moral grounds. They work on financial grounds. And this division is simply too good, too good for, um, for Justin Gaethje to get another shot at Charles Oliveira when he clearly lost the first time. Too good. We got to move past it. We got to get to other contenders. Connor's waiting in the wings. They're not going to stop for Justin Gaethje when he was clearly the inferior fighter that night. Next. Message. All right. Somewhat a little bit in the same age. Why I back to back these. This comes from Adam who says, hey, guys, there's been a lot of discussion recently about who Dustin Poirier is going to fight next. Tony just jumped into the pool. But prior to that, there's been a lot of talk about Nick, Connor, Colby. My question is, why isn't anyone talking about a rematch with Justin Gaethje? Gaethje just fought, but late September or October return doesn't seem out of the question. It would be number two versus number three, so it holds some divisional significance with the winner probably next in line for the title after Oliveira's next fight. Their first fight was in 2018. Each guy has improved greatly since then. What are your thoughts on this matchup from both fighters' perspective? I just, oh, Number one, I think the fight's great. I don't think it's in, in any way out of the realm of possibility that the fight happens. I think it's certainly possible. The issue I have is we <laughs> what I didn't expect was Dustin Poirier to be hanging out this long without a fight. I was doing the fight math two months ago, a month ago, whenever Dustin Poirier was like, I want to fight, and then the Diaz fight was, was, we thought that was a done deal. I just thought the timing didn't work out. There's no way I thought Dustin Poirier would be without a fight long enough for Justin Gaethje to become a factor. Because he has to fight Charles Oliveira. That was a tough fight. He got a 60-day suspension after that, at least, because he did take some damage. The timing, Poirier's going to have a fight by then. It isn't me. 
it isn't Justin Gaethje. It isn't Dustin. It's I thought the UFC would be honored enough to get Dustin Poirier to fight too soon for Justin Gaethje to turn around after the Poirier fight and fight. I'm, I'm sorry, after the uh, the Oliveira fight and fight Dustin Poirier. I thought the timing didn't work. I, I really thought the timing did not work. I was wrong. Apparently, Dustin Poirier is going to be looking for a fight for quite a while, and there might be time for Justin Gaethje to come back, in which case I am all for this fight. But my not bringing this up was I had more faith <laughs> in, in Dustin Poirier's ability to get a fight. I didn't think he'd be hanging out fightless for this long. To me, that's absurd. I never thought we'd see him in the power position he's in. And by power position, I mean lack of power. Where the UFC seems content to not give this guy a fight. They're treating the guy who beat uh, Conor McGregor twice like he's an afterthought. He's stuck having to deal with that. I didn't think that would happen. Now that we know that is the case... I would love to see Dustin Poirier fight Justin Gaethje. I would. It seems like he'll have time, but that's why I didn't talk about it before. I thought he'd have a fight by now. Next. Answer my question! All right, I kind of love this one because this is a long preamble before it gets to the actual question. So you may have to ask me to pause and stop when you want to like, answer to one of the things that's in this email. So <sighs> first of love all, love those. First of all, I love it. In the title line is an, is bold and all in caps saying, you live in your own little world if you think other athletes don't complain about what they earn. That is the title subject line <laughs> of this email. So Great. this comes from Jeff who says, Can't hey, wait Jimmy, this, Jeff. Someone is always complaining about what they earn in the NFL, except that they have all the agents that are talking to teams and not just talking when, they, when they're going to get a fight. Kyler Murray is the, is the most current person who is, as he has one, le- one year left on a deal, they can give him the fifth-year extension, so could not even have the chance to be a free agent for two more years, but he's talking about holding out. The difference is that the, in the UFC, if you don't want to fight for the money, no one is forcing you, so they'll just get someone else to fight, and in the NFL... The team has not much invested in the players that it can break it, it can break a team if they don't negotiate with a starting quarterback. I'm not saying fighters shouldn't earn more, but I am really tired that you guys like to use the money conversation at least once a week. I hear more about fighter pay on your show than I do from the fighters. And before you say I can listen to something else, I do whatever I turn on and you're talking about it. Just like I did when Luke Thomas used to talk about it as SiriusXM has a lot of channels. And fighters can try to pull the Francis uh, Ngannou champion card and not renegotiate when they, when you become champ and run out of your contract. He could have made $7 million more if he had signed it. His words, I believe. But he would have lost the chance of freedom to go do other things such as boxing. And here's what I love. As for the question. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Which... All right. Before, before his ranting preamble, guys, do, do football players themselves publicly – after games, when they are not near free agency, complain about their pay. Hardly ever. Oh, they complain, they just do it through their agents. Yes, I said publicly complain. Not agents. and I, Yeah, managers, sure. They're fighting all the time to get their people more pay. What I said specifically was an athlete in NHL, NBA, MLB, Pre and post fight, pre and post game, complaining about their pay regularly. 
Never. Unless, once again, their contract's running out, da-da-da, they're free agency. But sure, then they start going, hey, I might hold out a training camp or whatever, blah, blah, blah. That happens all the time. I'm saying a fighter, fighters themselves complain all the time publicly at events, which you don't see in other sports. And not when they have one fight left in their deal or, you know, it's, it's coming to a close. I'm talking just in the middle of a contract complaining about it. That's them, not me. And when they complain about it, I talk about it. There you go. Next. Now now on to your actual question. So he says, as for a question, which fighters do you consider to be the best striker, best wrestler, and submission specialist, regardless of weight, in the UFC and Bellator? Very interesting. So um, give me the first category. Was it striker first? Best striker, yes. Israel Adesanya. I don't think that's particularly controversial or close. It's Israel Adesanya. And what I mean, too, is not just his knockout ability. He has plenty of knockouts. His versatility. The amount of things the guy can do. And what I mean by that is excellent from the clinch, excellent from every position you can think of. That guy can freaking get it done. Um, and it's, it's, it's always fun to watch. The guy's amazing. So best striker goes to Israel Asanya. Next. Uh, next up would be wrestler. Best wrestler. Um... All across MMA, I would say, when I look at wrestling credentials, might be Logan Storley, actually, in Bellator, multiple-time All-American. When I look at the UFC right now, uh, when I think best wrestler, I think Kamar Usman, Colby Covington. Colby Covington, All-American one time. Kamar Usman was a natural champ, but that was a Division Two. You could argue Logan Storley's credentials as a pure wrestler stack up to anybody in MMA. Multiple-time All-American at the University of Minnesota. Kept losing the semifinals. We talked about that frustration, but he's a multiple-time All-American. I can't think of anybody right now on the UFC's roster. Gregor Gillespie, for sure. But as far as MMA, he's, what, ninth or something in the weight class. So Gregor Gillespie has probably the best credentials. But right now, in terms of, like, guys at the top, Logan Storley in uh, in uh, Bellator. What do you think, Kimby? I was going to say, where are you putting uh, one Mr. Islam Makachev? Because it seems like everyone knows he's going to try to take you down, and he still manages to take you down. He does. Um, I do like his wrestling for MMA. Um, the problem is he's done it to mostly strikers. I want to see him do it to somebody grappling-based, and we'll see. Next. Uh, next is submission specialist. Best submission specialist? Come on, Charles Oliveira. That guy is just a smoke show on the ground. He's absolutely unbelievable. When, you, when I watched him take on um, Tony Ferguson, I remember thinking, that's how you do it. Like, that's... A grappling clinic. That that's how you're supposed to do. That's how you're supposed to pass guard. That's how you're supposed to attack. The guy does everything well. I don't think it's particularly controversial when I say Charles Oliveira is the best submission specialist in the UFC. Maybe in UFC history. Next. Means we're moving on to the next question. So yes. you've got mail. All right, this comes from D, who says, Hi, Jimmy and crew. This is Daniel from Tennessee. I have more of a request than a question. When you and right. Kelly go head-to-head with fight picks, you guys don't really add in the odds. Since it's the half-year mark, a good starting point, you guys should start with an imaginary $1,000 imaginary bankroll and add in the odds. Your bets are either 10 20 50 or 100 so at the end of the year we can see how the picks really turned out. Only bet the pay-per-view main cards, and the rest of the crew to make it interesting, uh, to make it interesting and winner gets, an, gets a trip to International Fight Week on Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> what if I win? <laughs> then I guess you don't have to do it. <laughs> uh, yo, yeah, but I saved the money of not sending you to International Fight Week. There the hell is that? 
Cal, I really what would have you to think. I would have to be the arbiter of this whole thing. I really don't want to do the math every week. <laughs> like, I am not dealing with the odds, I right? I know. That sounds so complicated. It, it really isn't, but it is based on everything else we have to do day to day. I don't think I can. I love how. That. I can barely like, keep up could... with the picks this, at, like, without all the odds. And I love how they're like, dude, we have to produce a show. Right, it's not like Kelly just sits here and like just goes, oh, just does what I. She's got to produce a show as well. Think about that. Yeah, Think for those about that. For those right? who, who listen to the show regularly, we literally had to explain to Jimmy how we were coming up with his percentage of winning picks and had to go through that math to make sure we were all correct. Right. So I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't need to figure out odds and everything. Right. <laughs> Such a mess. <laughs> so the idea that we put odds on and all that stuff. Eh, no, let's not. And also, Kelly's all like, I retired undefeated. She has not wanted to come back to make any picks. She's retiring, in her mind, undefeated. I disagree, but it's cool. Whatever. Go ahead, Kelly. Next. Answer my question! All right, next one comes from Mark in New Jersey, who says, Hey, Jimmy, you've discussed in the past a lot about the dominance of current UFC champions. Outside yep. of maybe an Islam Makachev, who's a person who has never held a title yet that you would bet your house on will become a champion before their career is over? Oh, Jesus. Um, outside of Islam Makhachev, he's obviously the first one to spring to mind. I'm guessing that's why I took him away from you. <laughs> yes. All right, so I have to bet my house on someone becoming a champion who is currently not a champion who is on their way and who has, has never and has held also the Yeah, never held the belt before, yes. Okay. I, don't, I wouldn't bet my house on it. But I've always been high on Tim Aspinall at heavyweight. I really believe when it's all said and done, he is a next-level heavyweight with incredible skills, incredibly well-rounded. I would bet my house on him. Now, this is kind of a sexy pick, and that a lot of people think he's the next anointed. I don't know. He might have to outlast some guys. Kamzat Shemaev might have to wait until... Colby Covington and Kamaru Usman aren't quite what they used to be. I don't think he's going to be champ now. And my fear, not, not fear in that, you know, I'm not that emotionally involved in it, but Kamzat's the next big thing. Let's put him in there now. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Kamaru Usman is right now at the height of his powers. I don't know if he beats a current Kamaru Usman. Give him a year or two. Give him a year or two. And Kamaru Usman might have another couple tough fights. Then he might be champion. So if I am in the house betting range here, I would bet on Tom Aspinall at heavyweight. I would bet on Kamzat Shemaev at 170 pounds. I would bet on nobody at 185. It's a bunch of good, not great fighters. There's nobody at 185. Light heavyweight is a toss-up. If I had to bet on somebody, um, I mean, Ir Pachatka is a good bet. Magomed Ankalaev is a good bet. Anthony Smith is a good bet. Because Glover Teixeira is a vulnerable champion. He's 43 years old. The idea that he holds off all of these challenges is highly unlikely. 55, I would say Islam Makachev. 45, there is nobody. Arnold Allen would be my outside pick at number six. We don't know exactly what his ceiling is. Um, 135 right now, I, I, I guess you'd say that's Corey Sanhagen, I guess. But I wouldn't put money on that. I would not put money right now on Marlon Vera. Um yeah, so there isn't really, I would say, Kai Car France at 125. But I wouldn't be betting a lot of homes on those people. I wouldn't. Tom Aspinall and, and Kamzat Shemaev are my, my number one and number two. Next. Message. All right, this will be our last one for the day. This comes from Chris in Seattle. It says, hey, Jimmy, if memory serves, you're just about a year or more into your WWE commentary run. One year. Uh, what, 
what has been your favorite moment or experience so far working for the WWE over this last year? Jesus, WrestleMania is special. Straight up, I, 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 it was one of those scale-wise, 77,000 two nights in a row. I've never seen anything like that in my life. I've never seen fans so obsessed about something in my life. I've never seen pyro and the, the walk-ins and the bands and the timing and the spectacle. Never seen anything like that in my life. And guys, I've called title fights in every combat sport. Every combat sport, I have called a world title fight. Boxing, MMA, um, boxing, MMA, kickboxing, I've, I've done it all. Done it all. Never called a world title in jiu-jitsu, okay? But this idea that I've done it all and I've never seen anything on the scale or with the excitement of wrestling. I know it's a stock answer because it's the biggest show, but Jesus, that was incredible to see. How did it look on TV, by the way, Kobe? Did you get that sense of, holy Jesus, this is gigantic? Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, like I said, like we had, I remember we had talked about it, too, I think, going into it, about, like, do you really need to be a hardcore fan to enjoy WrestleMania? And my contention was, no, I think you can literally not been paying attention all along and still be into the matches they have set. And it was it was 100% that, man. Like, the yeah. scale and everything. And, like, I, I'm an old fan, so I remember how big WrestleMania is. But, like, the scale and everything, man, you can just tell. They're, they're breaking out all the stops. Wow. Unlocking the Cage with Jimmy Smith is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Michael Russo. The associate producer is Kelly Murphy. Sound design by Nuri Balin. Special thanks to SiriusXM's Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen. And SiriusXM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. Serious XM Podcasts.